Section Three of *The Prince and the Pauper*. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Bodorf. *The Prince and the Pauper* by Mark Twain. Section Three. Chapter Three. Tom's meeting with the prince. Tom got up hungry and sauntered hungry away, but with his thoughts busy with the shadowy splendors of his night's dreams. He wandered here and there in the city, hardly noticing where he was going or what was happening around him. People jostled him, and some gave him rough speech, but it was all lost on the musing boy. By and by he found himself at Temple Bar, the furthest from home he had ever traveled in that direction. He stopped and considered a moment, then fell into his imaginings again, and passed on outside the walls of London. The Strand had ceased to be a country road then, and regarded itself as a street, but by a strained construction, for though there were a tolerably compact row of houses on one side of it, there were only some scattered great buildings on the other, these being places of rich nobles, with ample and beautiful grounds stretching to the river grounds that are now closely packed with grim acres of brick and stone. Tom discovered Charing Cross presently, and rested himself at the beautiful cross built by a bereaved king of earlier days, then idled down a quiet, lovely road, past the great cardinal's stately palace, toward a far more mighty and majestic palace beyond. Westminster? Tom stared in glad wonder at the vast pile of masonry, the wide-spreading wings, the frowning bastions and turrets, the huge stone gateway, with its gilded bars and its magnificent array of colossal granite lions, and other the signs and symbols of English royalty. Was the desire of his soul to be satisfied at last? Here, indeed, was a king's palace. Might he not hope to see a prince now, a prince of flesh and blood, if heaven were willing? At each side of the gilded gate stood a living statue, that is to say, an erect and stately and motionless man-at-arms, clad from head to heel in shining steel armor. At a respectful distance were many country folk and people from the city, waiting for any chance glimpse of royalty that might offer. Splendid carriages, with splendid people in them, and splendid servants outside, were arriving and departing by several other noble gateways that pierced the royal enclosure. Poor little Tom, in his rags, approached and was moving slowly and timidly past the sentinels with a beating heart and a rising hope, when all at once he caught sight through the golden bars of a spectacle that almost made him shout for joy. Within was a comely boy, tanned and brown with sturdy outdoor sports and exercises, whose clothing was all of lovely silks and satins, shining with jewels, at his hip a little jeweled sword and dagger dainty buckskins on his feet, with red heels, and on his head a jaunty crimson cap, with drooping plumes fastened with a great sparkling gem. Several gorgeous gentlemen stood near, his servants without a doubt. Oh, he was a prince, a prince, a living prince, a real prince, without the shadow of a question. And the prayer of the pauper boy's heart was answered at last. Tom's breath came quick and short with excitement and his eyes grew big with wonder and delight. Everything gave way in his mind instantly to one desire, and that was to get close to the prince and have a good devouring look at him. 
before he knew what he was about he had his face against the gate bars the next instant one of the soldiers snatched him rudely away and sent him spinning along the gaping crowd of country gawkers and london idlers the soldier said mind thou manners thou young beggar the crowd jeered and laughed but the young prince sprang to the gate with his face flushed and his eyes flashing with indignation and cried out how darest thou use a poor lad like that how darest thou use the king my father's meanest subject so open the gates and let him in you should have seen that fickle crowd snatch off their hats then you should have heard them cheer and shout long live the prince of wales the soldiers presented arms with their halberds opened the gates and presented again as the little prince of poverty passed in in his fluttering rags to join hands with the prince of limitless plenty edward tudor said thou lookest tired and hungry thou'st been ill-treated come with me half a dozen attendants sprang forward to i don't know what interfere no doubt but they were waved aside with a right royal gesture and they stopped stock still where they were like so many statues edward took tom to a rich apartment in the palace which he called his cabinet by his command a repast was brought such as tom had never encountered before except in books the prince with princely delicacy and breeding sent away the servants so that his humble guest might not be embarrassed by their critical presence then he sat near by and asked questions while tom ate what is thy name lad tom canty as it please thee sir tis an odd one where dost thou live in the city please thee sir awful court out of pudding lane awful court true tis another odd one hast parents parents have i sir and a grand dam likewise that is but indifferently precious to me god forgive me if it be offence to say it also twin sisters nan and bet then is thy grand dam not over kind to thee i take it neither to any other is she so please your worship she hath a wicked heart and worketh evil all her days doth she mistreat thee there be times that she stayeth her hand being asleep or overcome with drink but when she hath her judgment clear again she maketh it up to me with goodly beatings a fierce look came into the little prince's eyes and he cried out what beatings yes please you sir beatings and thou so frail and little hark ye before the night come she shall hie her to the tower the king my father in sooth you forget sir her low degree the tower is for the great alone true indeed i had not thought of that i will consider of her punishment is thy father kind to thee not more than gammer canty sir fathers be alike mayhap mine hath not a doll's temper he smiteth with a heavy hand yet spareth me he spareth me not always with his tongue though sooth to say how doth thy mother use thee she is good sir and giveth me neither sorrow nor pain of any sort and nan and bet are like to her in this how old be these fifteen and it please you sir the lady elizabeth my sister is fourteen and the lady jane grey my cousin is of mine own age and comely and gracious withal but my sister the lady mary with her gloomy mane and look you do thy sisters forbid thy servants to smile lest the sin destroy their souls they oh dost think sir that they have servants the little prince contemplated the little pauper gravely then said and prayeth why not 
who helpeth thee undress at night who attireth thee when they rise none sir wouldst have them take off thy garment and sleep without it like the beasts thy garment have they but one ah good your worship what would they do with more truly they have not two bodies each it is a quaint and marvellous thought thy pardon i had not meant to laugh but thy good nan and thy bet shall have raiment and lackeys and now and that soon too my cofferer shall look to it now thank me not tis nothing thou speakest well thou hast an easy grace in it art learned i know not if i am or am not sir the good priest that is called father andrew taught me of his kindness from his books knowest thou latin but scarcely sir i doubt learn it lad tis hard only at first the greek is harder but neither these other tongues else i think are hard to the lady elizabeth and my cousin thou shouldst hear those damsels at it but tell me of thy awful court hast thou a pleasant life there in truth yes so please you sir save when one is hungry there be punch and judy shows and monkeys oh such antic creatures and so bravely dressed and there be plays wherein they that play do shout and fight till all are slain and tis so fine to see and costeth but a farthing albeit tis main hard to get the farthing please your worship tell me more we lads of awful court do strive against thee with the cudgel like to the fashion of the princesses sometimes the prince's eyes flashed said he mary that would not i mislike tell me more we strive in races sir to see who of us shall be fleetest that would i like also speak on in summer sir we wade and swim in the canals and in the river and each doth duck his neighbour and spatter him with water and dive and shout and tumble and twould be worth my father's kingdom but to enjoy it once pray thee go on we dance and sing about the maypole in cheapside we play in the sand each covering his neighbour up and times we make mud pasty oh the lovely mud it hath not its like for delightfulness in all the world we do fairly wallow in the mud sir saving your worship's presence oh pray thee say no more tis glorious if that i could but clothe me in raiment like to thine and strip my feet and revel in the mud once just once and none to rebuke me or forbid meseemeth i could forego the crown and if that i could clothe me once sweet sir as thou art glad just once oh twould like it then so shall it be doff thy rags and don these splendors lad it is a brief happiness but will not be less keen for that we will have it while we may and change again before any can come to molest a few minutes later the little prince of wales was garlanded with tom's fluttering odds and ends and the little prince of pauperdom was tricked out in the gaudy plumage of royalty the two went and stood side by side before a great mirror and lo a miracle there did not seem to have been any change made they stared at each other then at the glass then at each other again at last the puzzled princeling said what dost thou make of this oh, good your worship require me not to answer it is not meet that one of my degree should utter the thing then i will utter it thou hast the same hair the same eyes the same voice and manner the same form and stature the same face and countenance that i bear fared we both naked there is none could see which was you and which the prince of wales and now that i am clothed as thou wert clothed it seemeth i shall be able to be more nearly to feel as thou didst when the brute soldier hark ye is not that a bruise upon your hand yes but it is a slight thing 
and your worship knoweth that the poor men-at-arms peace he was a shameful thing and a cruel cried the little prince stamping his bare feet if the king stir not a step till i come again it is a command in a minute he had snatched up and put away an article of national importance that lay upon a table and was out at the door and flying through the palace grounds in his bannered rags with a hot face and glowing eyes as soon as he reached the great gate he seized the bars and tried to shake them shouting open unbar the gates the soldier who had maltreated tom obeyed promptly and as the prince burst through the portal half smothered with royal wrath the soldier fetched him a sounding box on the ear and sent him whirling to the roadway and said take that thou beggar's spawn and what thou gottest me from his highness the crowd roared with laughter the prince picked himself out of the mud and made fiercely at the sentry shouting i am the prince of wales my person is sacred and that shall hang for lying thy hand upon me the soldier brought his halberd to a present arms and said mockingly i salute your gracious majesty then angrily be off thou crazy rubbish here the jeering crowd closed round the poor little prince and hustled him far down the road hooting him and shouting way for his royal highness way for the prince of wales End of chapter three